Section 21 of A Failure of Initiative. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary J. A Failure of Initiative. Final Report of the Select Bipartisan Committee to Investigate the Preparation for and Response to Hurricane Katrina by the United States House of Representatives. The National Framework for Emergency Management, Part 2. Finding. The Secretary should have designated the principal federal official on Saturday, two days prior to landfall, from the roster of PFOs who had successfully completed the required PFO training, unlike FEMA Director Michael Brown. Considerable confusion was caused by the Secretary's PFO decisions. According to the NRP, the PFO is personally designated by the Secretary of Homeland Security to facilitate federal support to the Established Incident Command System, ICS, unified command structure, and to coordinate overall federal incident management. During large multi-state disasters such as Katrina, the PFO's role becomes particularly important for providing a coordinated federal response, as the FCOs appointed by the President for each state only control operations within their respective states. The Secretary should have begun this coordination earlier and appointed a PFO on Saturday. The Secretary's eventual designation of Brown as PFO on Tuesday evening was highly unusual and elicited a concerned and confused reaction from Brown. In order to prepare PFO designates to fulfill the responsibilities and functions of the PFO, the Department conducts a formal training program and maintains a roster of individuals approved and qualified to serve as a PFO. The NRP requires that, unless extenuating circumstances dictate otherwise, all PFO designates should satisfactorily complete this training program prior to performing PFO-related responsibilities. According to DHS officials, Brown had not taken the required PFO training program and was not on the approved PFO roster. Coast Guard Admiral Thad Allen had successfully completed the training program, as had all of the other individuals designated by the Secretary to serve as PFO for the past INS designations in national special security events. It is unclear why Chertoff deviated from the requirements of the NRP and designated an untrained individual to serve as PFO for such a catastrophic disaster. There was confusion over the role and authority of the PFO. The Secretary was confused about the role and authority of the PFO. According to Chertoff's testimony, he designated Brown PFO because Brown was his battlefield commander. Yet the NRP specifically states, the PFO does not direct or replace the incident command structure established at the incident, nor does the PFO have directive authority over the SFLEO, Senior Federal Law Enforcement Officer, FCO, Federal Coordinating Officer, or other federal and state officials. Furthermore, the Stafford Act places all emergency response authorities with the President and requires that the President designate an FCO for each disaster or emergency declaration. As a result, the legal authority to command the battlefield, as the Secretary put it, resides with the FCO, not the PFO. The apparent confusion over the authority and role of the PFO does not seem to have been recognized until almost two weeks after Chertoff selected Allen to replace Brown as PFO. It was at this time that the unprecedented decision was made to appoint Allen to the FCO for Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama in addition to PFO. This step was necessary because DHS eventually recognized Allen as the PFO only did not have the legal authority to commit the expenditure of federal funds or direct federal agencies under delegated authority from the President. As described above, only the FCO has that authority. 
This confused and unprecedented series of actions by the department prompted the resignation and departure of Bill Carwile, one of FEMA's most well-respected FCOs, who was serving as FCO in Mississippi. Finding. A proactive federal response, or push system, is not a new concept, but it is rarely utilized. What is a push system? In response to most disasters, the federal government provides assistance in response to state requests. This reactive approach is often referred to as a poll system in that it relies on states knowing what they need and being able to request it from the federal government. States may make these requests either before disasters strike because of the near certainty that federal assistance will be necessary after such events, e.g. with hurricanes, or afterwards once they have conducted preliminary damage assessments and determined their response capabilities are overwhelmed. Unlike the bulk of disasters requiring FEMA's response, catastrophic disasters require the federal response to be more proactive. This response is referred to as a push system, in which federal assistance is provided and moved into the affected area prior to a disaster or without waiting for specific requests from the state or local governments. Implementing a push system, a proactive federal response, does not require federalization of the disaster or the usurping of state authority. Although a push system is a proactive response by the federal government, it still requires notification and full coordination with the state. The coordination process, however, should not delay or impede the rapid mobilization and deployment of these critical federal resources. A proactive response, or push system, is nothing new. In 1992, the nation's management of catastrophic disasters was intensely criticized after Hurricane Andrew leveled much of South Florida and Hurricane Iniki destroyed much of the Hawaiian island of Kauai. In particular, a 1993 GAO report points to the slow delivery of services vital to disaster victims as a major flaw in the response to Hurricane Andrew in South Florida. The report then contrasts this with the more effective response to Hurricane Iniki in Hawaii, where FEMA implemented a push system and sent supplies to the island of Kauai before local officials requested them. This occurred despite being implemented in an ad hoc manner, rather than as a part of an orderly planned response to catastrophic disasters. Furthermore, the long-standing authority for a proactive federal response resides in the Stafford Act. The current plan for how to utilize that authority is the NRP-CIA. The pre-positioning of assets and commodities is a distinct action from the push or pull of those assets. The federal government will often pre-position life-saving and life-sustaining disaster equipment and supplies prior to landfall of a hurricane as close to a potential disaster site as possible. This pre-positioning of supplies can substantially shorten response time and delivery of initial critical disaster supplies to the field. Although part of a proactive response, this pre-positioning of disaster supplies and assets is not, in and of itself, a push of commodities. Once assets are pre-positioned to go into the field, they still need to be mobilized and deployed into the field either proactively by pushing the commodities to the state or reactively by waiting for a request from the state. Operational procedures for a push are not well exercised, practiced, or utilized. The majority of declared disasters are not catastrophic. Because of this, the pull system is most commonly used during disasters and training exercises and, therefore, is more familiar to disaster response personnel. In fact, the NRP-CIA has never been adequately exercised. As a result, federal personnel have little experience or comfort with instituting a proactive response. Additionally, if the Homeland Security Secretary does not invoke the NRP-CIA, federal personnel have no clear instruction to switch from a reactive approach to a proactive approach. Without this clear direction, federal personnel can be uncomfortable pushing resources into the state because of the inherent risks, such as complicating the disaster response by diverting needed resources from other areas or wasting millions of dollars in a duplication of effort. 
finding the secretary should have invoked the catastrophic incident annex nrp cia to direct the federal response posture to fully switch from a reactive to proactive mode of operations perhaps the single most important question the select committee has struggled to answer is why the federal response did not adequately anticipate the consequences of katrina striking new orleans and prior to landfall begin to develop plans and move boats and buses into the area to rescue and evacuate tens of thousands of victims from a flooded city at least part of the answer lies in the secretary's failure to invoke the nrp cia to clearly and forcefully instruct everyone involved with the federal response to be proactive anticipate future requirements develop plans to fulfill them and execute those plans without waiting for formal requests from overwhelmed state and local response officials the nrp cia was specifically written for disasters such as katrina according to the nrp a catastrophic incident results in large numbers of casualties and displaced persons the incident may cause significant disruption to the area's critical infrastructure a credible operating picture may not be achievable for 28 to 48 hours or longer as a result response activities must begin without the benefit of a complete needs assessment federal support must be provided in a timely manner to save lives prevent human suffering and mitigate severe damage this may require mobilizing and deploying assets before they are requested via normal nrp protocols large-scale evacuations organized or self-directed may occur large numbers of people may be left homeless and may require prolonged temporary housing it is clear the consequences of hurricane katrina exceeded all of these criteria and required a proactive response according to the nrp upon recognition that a catastrophic incident condition e g involving mass casualties and or mass evacuation exists the secretary of dhs immediately designates the event an ins and begins potentially in advance of a formal presidential disaster declaration implementation of the nrp cia on monday evening when dhs received reports the levees had breached in multiple locations it should have been clear to the department the nation's worst case hurricane scenario had occurred and a proactive federal response was required chertoff never invoked the nrp cia smith LOHSEP Deputy Director for Emergency Preparedness believed the biggest single failure of the federal response was the Department of Homeland Security's failure to recognize that Katrina was a catastrophic event and implement the catastrophic incident annex to the National Response Plan. Had DHS recognized Katrina for the event that it was, a truly catastrophic event, had DHS implemented the catastrophic incident annex to the NRP, Louisiana should have had a significant number of federal troops and federal assets days prior to their actual arrival. Instead, federal troops did not arrive in number until Saturday, after the evacuations of the Superdome, Convention Center, and Cloverleaf were complete. Finding Absent the Secretary's invocation of the NRP-CIA, the federal response evolved into a push system over several days. Even though Chertoff never invoked the catastrophic annex, federal officials in the field began, in ad hoc fashion, to switch from a pull response to a push system because of the operational demands of the situation. The switch was uncoordinated but widespread by the end of the first week. This has occurred in previous disasters. As previously mentioned, the response to Hurricane Iniki in Hawaii implemented an ad hoc push system as FEMA sent supplies to the island of Kauai before local officials requested them. Similarly, the response to Katrina evolved into an ad hoc push system, even though the NRP-CIA was not invoked. The following Mississippi and Louisiana examples illustrate the switch to a push response and several other important principles of effective emergency management. First, they demonstrate the importance of having qualified and experienced professionals in charge of operations. 
second these officials need to have the authority to commit resources as they see fit without waiting to seek approval from above and third federal officials need to have good working relationships with their state counterparts in the first example carwile had been the fco in florida during the two thousand four hurricane season and developed a close relationship with the florida director of emergency management craig fugate it is clear from emails and numerous staff interviews that Carwile did not hesitate to authorize, and Fugate provided any and all assistance to Mississippi without formal requests from Mississippi authorities. On August 30th, FEMA worked with Florida officials to push response assets into Mississippi. In an email to Brown and Carwile, Fugate informed them Florida was pushing search and rescue teams into Mississippi. He noted the EMAC paperwork was not keeping up with the need, so they were working off of verbal requests. Specifically, he wrote, to both of you, you need it, you got it from Florida. The paperwork can follow. On Thursday, September 1st, Carwile and Fugate continued to push resources into Mississippi without clear mission requests. 5.42 a.m. email from Fugate to Carwile. I'm out of water and ice from my stocks. I've directed Mike De Lorenzo with the Florida Division of Emergency Management to start purchasing and shipping product into the coastal Mississippi counties. Not sure I have an EMAC mission, but our folks on the ground have concerns if they run out. Not sure how much and when, but we'll try to keep you updated on progress. If this works, we'll continue until told to stop. So far, we have only been shipping water and ice. No food or baby products. Craig. Craig Fugate, Director, Florida Division of Emergency Management. 10.26 a.m. reply from Carwell to Fugate. Craig, you are doing the right thing. Thanks. No Robert, Robert Latham, Director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, would concur. We'll police up paperwork later. You have my guarantee. Food is also critical. Need MRE, meals ready to eat, and or heater meals if you have any. Water, ice, food in eastern counties should be your priority. Recommend Allen coordinate with MGen Cross, TAG, MS, for integration into their distribution systems. Also, no Florida is providing law enforcement. Need all you can send. Public safety major concern, looting, etc. Have used Dixie Co. body bags, 250. Got more? Thanks, old friend, Bill. In Louisiana, FEMA response personnel tried on a number of occasions to push commodities and assets into the field. In cases where it was clear there was a need for life-saving and life-sustaining commodities but no clear state distribution system set up, FEMA acted proactively to provide assistance. For example, Louisiana FCO Bill Loki noted there were situations where stranded individuals were not in immediate danger but needed food and water. When FEMA gained access to several helicopters, FEMA began ferrying food and water to people stranded on high ground, even though there was no formal request by the state to perform this function. In addition, FEMA contracted with over 100 ambulances to transport hospital evacuees. This mission was not requested by the state, but FEMA responded proactively because the situation demanded immediate action. Although there are numerous examples of a push system being implemented at times, there were also a number of times when state or local officials expressed frustration that requests for assistance were not processed because they did not follow the formal request process. For example, according to Louisiana and FEMA officials, state and local officials verbally requested specific assets or commodities during conference calls that were never fulfilled. In these cases, no immediate action was taken because FEMA officials assumed the state would follow up the verbal requests with official written requests. If the catastrophic annex had been invoked, then perhaps FEMA would have expected requests outside the normal process and acted on them. Finding. The Homeland Security Operations Center failed to provide valuable situational information to the White House and key operational officers during the disaster. During Hurricane Katrina, the roles and responsibilities of the HSOC were unclear. 
One of the primary roles performed by the HSOC is to maintain an accurate picture of events as an incident unfolds by gathering and integrating information from multiple sources, including the National Response Coordination Center, NRCC, the Coast Guard, and other DHS elements. Specifically, the NRP has designated the HSOC as the national level hub for information sharing management during domestic incidents. The HSOC provides primary situational awareness to the Secretary, the IIMG, and the White House. Perhaps the single most important piece of information during Katrina was confirmation of the levee breaches in New Orleans. Beyond the importance of the information itself, the implications of the information determined whether or not Katrina would be just another bad storm in New Orleans or the nation's worst-case hurricane disaster. Because DHS failed to anticipate likely consequences of the storm and procure the buses, boats, and aircraft that were ultimately necessary to evacuate the flooded city prior to Katrina's landfall, the next critical decision point of the federal response became confirmation of the levee breaches. If the levees breached and flooded a large portion of the city, then the flooded city would have to be completely evacuated. Any delay in confirming the breaches would result in a delay in the post-landfall evacuation of the city. On Monday evening, the HSOC failed to conclude that levees had breached in New Orleans despite a FEMA eyewitness report and the presence of numerous Coast Guard air assets over New Orleans, which had the ability to communicate to almost anywhere in the country. According to the commander of the Coast Guard's air station New Orleans, Captain Bruce Jones, there were nine Coast Guard helicopters, including the helicopter he piloted, operating over New Orleans by Monday evening, and Rear Admiral Duncan was flown over the city in a Coast Guard Falcon aircraft to assess the situation. In addition, a Coast Guard C-130 from Clearwater, Florida, arrived over the city Monday evening after it heard the radio chatter from the rescue helicopter operations and diverted from its mission to reconnoiter the status of offshore oil rigs. The C-130 was able to communicate with all of the helicopters, and it could patch some communications through to the Coast Guard's Division 8 headquarters, temporarily established in St. Louis. The Division headquarters could then patch those communications through to a landline and reach almost any destination from there. The one important exception was calling into Baton Rouge, which was not possible. According to Marty Bahamond, a FEMA external affairs official, and the Coast Guard, he was flown over New Orleans early Monday evening for the specific purpose of providing situational awareness to Brown and DHS headquarters. Captain Frank M. Poskovich said his unit took Bahamond up in the helicopter because they were under the impression he had a direct line of communication into the White House. They thought Bahamond could get the information regarding the status of the levees and flooding in the city to Washington faster than they could through the Coast Guard chain of command. Bahamond's observations were received in the HSOC a few hours after his overflight and became a Monday 10.30 p.m. HSOC spot report that was sent to the White House Situation Room shortly after midnight. This spot report can be found in Appendix 2. However, it is not clear if the other Coast Guard observations, including Duncan's reconnaissance flight, reached the HSOC on Monday evening or at all. Because the HSOC failed to confirm the levee breaches on Monday, the first federal decision to procure buses was made by Deputy FCO Phil Parr, who was at the Superdome, on Tuesday when he saw the water reaching the Superdome, and realized it would become an island and have to be evacuated. At that point he began to develop an evacuation plan and requested hundreds of buses. The HSOC's role is not only to provide situational awareness and policy advice to top officials within DHS, but also to provide situational information and address lower-level coordination issues. Yet interviews suggest that while information was flowing upwards to the HSOC and on to the Secretary, it was less clear what valuable information was flowing down to key officials on the ground during the disaster. Edward Bukema, 
FEMA's former acting director of response, and Mike Lauder, deputy director of response, both stated that while situational reports were continually flowing up the ladder from FEMA headquarters to the HSOC, no information was flowing back down from the HSOC to the NRCC. End of section 21.